I'm disappointed in you. I cannot believe we are friends. Friends <laughs> do not let friends use Microsoft Edge browser. Okay. Like, <laughs> just no. So to introduce the episode, John, <laughs> we're going to talk about the apps that we use. So that is all of the, the note taking apps, the task manager apps, the calendar apps, the, the just the, the software stuff. Uh, and then some of the extensions that we're using in our browsers. Um, and I may have mentioned to John that I've moved away from Chrome and moved to Edge and he had a bit of a hissy fit, which is what you just heard. <laughs> I understand using browsers and things that work for you, but I mean, there's Firefox, there's Brave, Microsoft Edge. Um, I wasn't going to start with that. I was going to start oh, with some of the other you're going apps, to but... start with that. You have to start with that. Yeah, I, I said that like last before the recording, because I was thinking that would be like the last thing we speak about, but apparently it's number one. So why did I move to Edge? The first reason is uh, Chrome was, it's not slow. But I was like, there must be something quicker than that because it's it's not a slow browser, but it has delays sometimes. So I was exploring other browser extent, other browser extensions, other search engines. Well, browsers searches sort of like combined. I was I was trying Bing on Google Chrome, and I was like, this is disgusting. I'm not doing that again. Uh, and then I went to Brave, and then I went to Vivaldi, and then I went to Firefox. <laughs> Uh, and they all sort of worked, but they were all sort of clunky, and I didn't, I, I didn't mesh with it very well. Then I went to Edge, and I was like, "Ah, oh, this is just like Brave and Vivaldi. I don't really like this much." Uh, and the the vertical tabs was a nice touch, and I was like, "Okay, I quite like that because I don't have to see like the whole name of the thing because he's just got the icon like my tab bar." And I was like, "Okay, I kind of like that." And then I started searching stuff, and I was like, "Wait, wait, this is quicker than Chrome." I'm confused. So I did some really arbitrary testing of just typing in words uh, and doing like a, a, a rough timer on my phone. And I was thinking it would be very, very similar, but it wasn't. Edge was quicker on like every search I made. So I haven't done like a proper official speed test type thing, but it just feels quicker. It feels faster. And when I try and load up a page, it's also faster. So it's not just search. Now, Edge was using Bing search, not Google search. So it might have been Bing being quicker than Google rather than Edge being quicker than Chrome. But I don't know. But like I say, Edge on Chrome didn't like that stuff. So there's that. Uh, and that was the main reason I started testing it out. Do you have any questions so far? How accurate are your search results? Because Bing is known for being very not great with search results. So I think I think what trips people up is the search results show differently on Bing to Google. And it okay. took me a, it took me a couple of searches to figure out what they actual was going on. Like the ads on Google. I can't find them on Bing. Like, I, I can't find them. Like, I'll search a word on Bing and the ads are hidden away on the side panel somewhere or they pop up somewhere else. They're not actually on the search. So the search results look different. When I'm searching for my website, it comes up straight away first. And I was like, cool, that's fine. 
Um, and then I do the same in Google. Cool, that's fine. I search no, like Notion, fine. Like there's there's no differences in the search results from Bing to Google apart from the ads not appearing for some reason, and the panels look different. Like when when you see an expanded search result on Google, so you've got a website and then you have like the about panel and the first page panel and the rest of it that's worked out differently with Bing. So some things look further down, but they're actually not. And the order is slightly different. I don't know how the order works, but the same with Google, like you can type the same thing, same thing three times and get a different order of like search result four or five. Um, but yeah, no, everything that appears on page one of Google appears on page one of Bing, just might be in a slightly different order and you might see things slightly differently, which is taken some time to get used to. Interesting. Um, some other features that I really quite like in Edge, which I have learned since using it a bit more, um, is the, the tabs work exactly the same as Google Chrome. You can drag them across to make a new panel. You, when you hover over the, the vertical panel, it shows you the main stuff. You can pause or you can mute uh, a video from the tab. You don't have to go like into the tab. You just hover over to the mic and just pause it, like mute it, and then carry on doing whatever, which... Uh, another small nice feature um the main one that i like with obsidian is when i copy the url because of the format it's copied in and i paste it into obsidian it's not pasted as a url it's pasted as a wiki extension link so i have the name of the video plus a dash and a youtube inside a bracket inside the link into in obsidian and then the and then the url link so i i don't see the url like it does the formatting for me copying from edge instead of chrome Hang on, how? Is that an extension? That's just Edge. I, I, I do not know the science behind it enough to be able to explain it. <laughs> I just know the Edge URL copies in a different format. So when I paste it into Obsidian, it pastes as a wiki link. So it's got like a single bracket around the name of the thing and then the open bracket for the link rather than just dumping in the link. Why? I don't know. Can you do it in Chrome? Maybe, but it's an automatic setting. I have not done anything. That's really cool. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. And it was at this point where I was like, hmm, okay, Edge seems kind of good. I kind of like this. Then I realized that you don't have to show the tab bar all the time. So when I'm in something, I'm not showing the tab bar. But when I open up a new tab, it appears because that's a setting. Or if I go back to my home screen, it appears. So I only need the tab bar when I'm actually going somewhere new. And I'm like, that cleans up my space. I have more space now on, on my screen, which again, Ooh. quite nice. And then the big one that I recently found out that has just cemented me to use Edge like now is I use Speechify and Google Chrome. I now don't use Speechify because Microsoft Edge does it for me. Oh, nice like all pages, all things, but also PDFs. And it's better than Speechify with PDFs. I'm, I'm reading PDFs on Edge and highlighting PDFs on Edge. So I'm not using Adobe Acrobat at the moment either. Um, yeah, so I'm reading it on Edge, highlighting it on Edge. I can then search for any of the words through, the, like if I've got the PDF up, I can highlight the words and then go search and it will search Bing it will search the search engine for whatever the word is, for whatever the reference is, and it comes up in 
Bing search, obviously, but it means that I can see if there's other papers related to whatever the topic is straight away, rather than me having to manually go backwards and forwards and do it. And it's all in one window and the Bing search pops up in like a side panel. So the PDF is still there. Uh, and I'm like, okay, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I take it you still use Chrome. No, Brave. I use Brave. Okay. Yeah, I've used Brave for a while now. I just prefer it. All right. Why? Why, why Brave? Um, I like the pro the built-in like ad blocker, so I don't have to install an ad blocker. It's one less thing to to install. That's an edge um, as well. I forgot about that. I like the automatic upgrade to HTTPS. That it does, it will automatically upgrade a website to SSL for me so that I don't have to worry about that. I like that. Um, Do you want to explain that for people that don't understand? <laughs> yeah. So basically, there are two types of kind of website security things. There is the original where there is basically very little security. And then there is the kind of gold standard, what every website should be using, which is a, a security socket, something or other. I don't know. It's too early to think that much tech. But basically, it protects you more and is known as kind of the, the gold standard of security and should be used on most websites these days. Have you pulled um, your mic out or something? Why? I, I, can, I can hear noises. I don't know. Are you, are you tapping the mic? Oh, it's gone now. It's gone, yeah. Oh, no. Now you're like really echoey. What's going on there? Oh, cool. Yay, problem. Friction. Yeah, lots of static suddenly appeared in the background. Yeah, that was me pulling it. Is that better? Yeah, yeah, that's better. Cool. Okay. Did you pull the mic out then? <laughs> no, um, the cable's a bit... There must be a loose connection in the cable. Fair enough, fair enough. Right, so you use Brave, I use Edge. <laughs> I can understand why you, with what you've explained, I can kind of understand why you use it. It does kind of make sense, especially for what you're doing, which is primarily research and searching and having the PDFs being able to be edited and things like that. A couple of those features, just to be clear, are also available in Chrome. <laughs> um, the audio muting is available in Chrome, where you can audio mute a tab. That's available in Chrome. I, it should now be activated for everyone, but if it's not, there's a flag in Chrome you can turn on to make it work like that. But uh, that is available in Chrome. I never did understand the vertical tabs. I always found that very confusing. See, I, I was thinking the same, but I've been using it for probably about a week now. And it's so much easier. It's so much easier. And the reason I say it is because it's hidden away. Like, Obviously, when I'm researching lateral reading, I have loads of tabs up. <laughs> and that's one of those things, like as students, you're like, oh my God, I have so many tabs. This is so annoying, which is why obviously Chrome brought in their like grouping feature, um, which Edge has as well. I would imagine Brave and Favaldi have as well. Yeah. But because it's just an icon, I can immediately see like where I need to go rather than having like the whole word. So when like in Chrome, you have like 30 tabs open, it goes to the icon, but this sort of like the, 
the tab animation around it, if that makes sense. It sort of like expands it and it makes it look cluttered. It's not just a clear line with a load of icons for tabs. It's the whole like the upper over the top and then down like that's one tab. That's another tab. And, and yeah, it's very like curved. Yeah. Yeah. And it just looks cluttered, whereas the vertical tab, it's just there it is. Um, and to see the expansion, all I need to do is literally hover my mouse over the tabs and it gives me everything as like a, a an expanded version. You can pin it. So it's expanded. I don't like that. But it means that when I want to confirm a paper that I'm reading. So if for those academics, you'll understand when you've got like 10 papers, up, like which one was I on again? Uh, in, in Google Chrome, if you want to see what tab you're use, you were on, you need to hover over the tab to look at the like the line extension thing that comes up over the hover. And you're like, no, it's not that one. It's not that one. It's not that one. You have to like move your mouse over to find it. Whereas with the vertical tab, I can just move left and it shows me all of them. And I can just click the one I wanted, uh, which is very nice. And something I realized, so you can do this in Chrome as well, but you can duplicate tabs, um, which I know you can do in Chrome as well, but I didn't realize you could do that. And I was like, oh, oh, that's a cool thing because I was right clicking on edge to find out what I could do. And there were so many options. Um, I was Ooh. like, oh, duplicate. Oh, I'll do that. So, and then the middle mouse click as well that I figured out. I tried, <laughs> I tried middle mouse clicking in Notion uh, because I'd been in Obsidian for a while. Like throughout the day, I was like middle clicking to open up pages. I middle clicked in Notion and it opens up as a new tab. Yeah, it's a new thing they've done. Yeah, I, I didn't know you could do that. It works on Edge, works on Chrome. I assume it works on all the other browsers. But yeah, middle yes. click with the mouse. Didn't know that yeah. was a thing. Yeah, that, that's, that's been a thing for years. Yes. I've, I've always right-clicked, open as new page or new tab. Oh, so much. So many. So many more clicks. I know. It's like a whole one more. But you have to like scroll the mouse just a little bit because it's always the top option. <laughs> But yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm using Edge. You're using Brave. What is your? Should we go task managers next, or should we just go like apps on system? Whichever way, task manager. We can do that. Yeah, let's let's go task manager. What's your your main task manager? Because I know do you, you really. Can... Do you really need to ask? I'm gonna guess it's Notion. It is still Notion. It is okay. still Notion, and here's why. Your um, formula. It's quite literally the only thing that's keeping me. <laughs> it, it, it's the formula. It's the ability to view the data in lots of different ways. That and the formula is what, until something can do that, I ain't going nowhere. Wait, so I, I've got to ask this. So if I hadn't made that formula and given it to you, would you still be in Notion? Probably. I don't know. That's a good question. That's a very good question. I don't know. Probably. Um, because it is the most minimal option for me that gives me, well, minimal and enough data that I can, I can hide things, view things in different ways. Yeah, I probably still would use Notion. But honestly, I'm not 100% sure, um, if I'm honest. Because you don't look at tasks on your phone, do you? No. no. If I did, then I would definitely not use. <laughs> yeah, I was, was going to say, if you're if you're if you're a phone task user, Notion. <laughs> no, no, no. no, no. I still use Notion um, because it's what I'm used to. It's how everything else is managed. I've merged. So for people who are newer to us, um, I used to have my events and my tasks separate. 
they are now merged um, with the new with the new system up. Well, the changes that I made to my system, um, they are now merged. Do, do, do you remember who had who had the conversation like a few months ago about about having events in the same database as as, as tasks? It was more than a couple months ago. It was quite. Yeah, I know. I, I was trying to be nice. I haven't yeah. used Notion personally for over a year, so probably in two years. <laughs> yeah, and but... I knew the benefit of having the events in the other, but I wanted to be able to have different meeting notes, be able to attach them differently, things like that. Mm. Um, but when I recreated it, I was I just started testing the events in the database, and because now, uh, and the reason why I changed um, isn't because of Danny. Um, it's primarily <laughs> it's because of a very delayed change. <laughs> No. Oh, yeah, Danny um, said that but, thing a year ago. <laughs> no, um, not because of Danny. Uh, the reason I changed is because a lot of my uh, note-taking is now done with Otter because Otter does the transcriptions for me and I use that instead of writing notes in the Notion. If I have any summaries to make, then maybe I'll bring that into Notion. But primarily a lot of my work has shifted to like note-taking and highlighting in Otter because it's just easier automatic transcriptions thank you very much i can then focus on just coaching and listening rather than trying to type at the same time it's just one less thing for me to have to think about and manage when i'm helping people so otter is what i use for kind of cool notes and so i don't need notion to be any more than just a hey you've got an event here go go to it so that's kind of prompted my my change so do you use a calendar app as well as notion or do you just use notion databases oh no no i i use google calendar most of my um events are in google calendar um because google calendar because when people schedule a call with me they schedule via uh schedule once which allows them to book in um and matches to my calendar so i still have google calendar i still use google calendar um why I have the events database, I think it's more for team rather than yeah. me so that they know what I'm doing. Um, I could probably get rid of it if I wanted to, but it's it's valuable to have it there so that I can kind of look at a glance at all the things I need to do um, and be able to go, oh, there's quite a lot of meetings today, so I'm going to move this to tomorrow um, instead of trying to do it today and just maneuvering things around uh, just to help me manage stuff. So I guess with the new database features, with the, the whole like tabbing of linked views, do you have your events as a, as a view next to your other calendars? Yeah, so I have my, my task list in my private hub. I have my task list, I have my events, um, and then I have my active projects all in one view because that is very, very nice. So I can just tab between what events are coming up in the next couple of days, what active pro what projects am I actively working on, and then I have like other tabs as well that are less important. I'm just playing with it right now. Like I'm working on a lot of documentation. So I have a documentation in progress tab. So I can just click to there and quickly access it at a glance. No, nice. And then as, as in grouping, I now have grouping. I think it's, um, what is it called on here? Deadline. So I have it grouped by deadline, date by relative and sorted chronological. Um, and it means I can see 
when the thing, and then I just hide the empty groups. If there's no tasks, then it's not there. If there is, then it shows. And I just like that. It's clean, it's easy, and I can see at a glance what my next 30 days are, what what May is, what June is, really easily just like seeing things grouped together. So it helps me to manage things just that little bit easier and see what I'm working on. Yeah, that doesn't sound good. I was going to say you could probably share screen because uh, the YouTube videos, they may want to see that on there. So those listening on the podcast, uh, obviously you won't be able to see the screen, but those that uh, watch watch on YouTube will be able to see it. Uh, so when it comes to all of this, it sounds like you've got Google Calendars kind of like a, as a back end. Do you use an API integration to feed into Notion? Yeah, it, Integram out I use uh, primarily. Uh, a little bit of Zapier as well. I have both because I'm greedy. Um, <laughs> so I use and I use both quite quite extensively. Not automate.io? No, not automate.io. It sucks. I hate it. <laughs> I, I just I just I just hate automate. I don't care that Notion owns it. I don't like automate.io. I tried it, I went with it for quite a while. And I, don't get me wrong, Integromat's not the easiest thing to use. I went from Zapier, which is incredibly beautiful and easy to use, perhaps a little bit too simple for Notion, in my opinion, and then went to Integromat and was like, oh, wow, this is, I could see the power. Automate.io just is clunky as hell. I hate when I last looked at this, and it was a while ago, I haven't gone back because I am happy with Integromat and Zapier. Anything I want to do in, in Integromat, I can do. Anything I want to do in Zapier, I can do, and I can just get it over and done with. Anything more advanced goes into Integromat. Yeah, yeah, sounds good. Um, I also use Google Calendar because it just links with everything. Like it's just Yeah, and Google Calendar just links with absolutely everything. It, it's kind of like just there. I don't think I'd ever not use it. And also my family need it so that they can see when I'm in calls and stuff and meetings. And so it helps them to see it with my Nest Hub and stuff like that. So it's just easier for everyone to know. I could try and get everyone <clears throat> into Notion, but I've already tried that and it just doesn't work and there's no point. It's yeah. in calendar. Everyone can see my calendar. My calendar is linked with my personal and my personal with my business. It is that easy and it just works. Yeah. Yeah. I use, I use Google calendar because it just links with everything. Um, but I don't actually ever look at Google calendar. I do on my phone, but that is soon to change. Um, <clears throat> but I can't speak too much about that yet, but my, <laughs> yeah, I, I just can't not allow to. Um, that is a point. I forgot to mention the app that I use to actually see my, see my, um, calendar. I don't really use Google Calendar's web interface because it sucks and I hate it and needs to die. Yes. Um, I use Fantastical. And with inspiration from Danny, I now have a shortcut which opens it up in the sidebar really easy. So I just press option C and I can see my day without having to worry. Automatically click on events, see what's happening over the next kind of week. And then I have my different kind of calendar types also inspired by Danny because if I don't say that he'll go off the wall <laughs> yeah so I have that as well the amount of things that have been shared on YouTube that I'm like I was the first one to make a video about that and no one credits me so like every time that I can get credit for something I do because <laughs> I can't watermark ideas <laughs> somebody has a bit of a complex 
Uh, it's just mildly irritating when you do some work and you don't get referenced. Like as a, as a, oh, as a science yeah, person. I know. Believe me, like, I know. Reference me. I've been there in the early days of Notion where everyone suddenly came up with really amazing ideas and look at how amazing this is that I had created. I'm like, no, you can screw off. You looked at my video because you literally copied it word for word and have taken it as your own. Whatever. Can't be bothered anymore. Before I before I uh, re- reveal the app that I use, uh, have you seen the the drama that's been going on in the Notion workspace recently? In the Notion workspace, as in like a work- workspace, like the the templates building, like the workshop. There's a lot of copycats. Sort of yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. I'm sitting here thinking that they were there, like when I was selling templates all over a year ago. It's just there's more of them now because they've realized how pr- like profitable it can be. And when I look at a lot of the templates, this is one of the reasons that I think I did like a, a, a newbie notion mistake type thing. Like don't use templates. It was one of those things. I think it's like 30 mistakes for beginners or something like that. And it's like, don't use templates. And the reason is most people that try and use templates don't understand the templates. And this is, this is, I mean, we're just going to go on our side rant here. I yeah. think, um, a problem that's coming in the notion space. And I have said this privately in quiet spaces because there's just no point. It's the whole environment has shifted. Mm. Um, And I think it is becoming, it is erring on the side of like, you know, money, money, Twitter. Uh, It's, it's now notion Twitter. And it's like people going, look at me. I've earned 60,000 pounds off of notion templates. And it's like, yeah, but how? You're not actually sharing anything of substance. You're just blasting how amazing you are and selling a process, which when people follow, it means everyone is just going to look the same and it's not actually moving the moving the kind of thing forward. When, when it first started, it was so... I mean, I just sound like an old man now, but I don't care, so shut up. Like, Back when it first started, was... you had... You know, you had people like Marie and, and you know, yourself. And when it was first out, it was like everyone was working together mm. to a certain degree. But as it's, as it's grown and developed, it's like, look at my thing. I could do all this now. I could do all this. Look at me, 60,000 pounds, and I'm only 12 years old. So what? What does that actually mean? Like, how did you actually share... I just shared every day and I posted all the time and I gave my stuff away for free. <laughs> okay. One of these things just doesn't belong here. <laughs> I, th- I think with, from what you were saying, uh, I, I agree in that, like to start with the templates were, they were making templates because they wanted to help people. Yeah. And it was, it was a new idea. Like my weekly template combining the, the calendar view and the board view that hadn't been done before. So I was like, Hey, mm. I'll make that into a template. Marie's templates, same sort of thing. Red Gregory very similar. Her templates, very unique. August Bradley, very unique. Now I look at the templates. I'm like, there's a default template in notion that basically does that. You've just renamed the databases and added like two properties, which anyone can do. Uh, <laughs> and also I think it does damage to notion itself because then it's being made to be this, thing that is this is what notion looks like and every single time i talk to people that oh notion doesn't work for me i show them what i use and they're like oh my god that's really simple and like it works and i didn't realize it could do that i'm like yeah 
that's what happens when instead of using templates, you build it how your brain works. And I think yep. that's the problem is, is in the notion space in particular, very few of the newer people realize that the power of notion comes from the fact you can customize it to the nth degree. Well, not quite like that, but you can create what works. And instead people are now boxing notion into boxes sharing the same thing over and over again and assuming it's going to work. And there's a lot of, I mean, I just have a problem with it in general because of how productivity is portrayed as it is. And instead of kind of breaking that mold, which is what Notion originally did, it is literally just putting us back in there again of like... I think it's inevitable with the size of Notion and the way Notion is going, that it's going to become a a big, big app business where people are selling this, that and the other, which makes sense. And when you look at most most businesses, it's the model that they take. I think the community shift is what triggers me the most in that it was a community to help other people. Reddit, I think, is where it first started, where people going, hey, look at my template, look at my dashboard, look at my dashboard, go away, leave leave me alone. I don't want to see all these dashboards. Uh, And I think that Reddit mentality of look at what I've done, look at what I've built by what I've done is is moving into the template space, which I don't necessarily think is a bad thing, but there are certainly negatives that come with it, uh, which I don't think are monitored very well on Notion side, but again, I have no idea how you would monitor that. And the thing that irritates me a bit about the, the user experience is that when someone new starts with Notion, they open it up, they go to the templates and you're bombarded with so many things. And so many of the things are the same thing. They're just a different name. And no matter what science you look at, it's redundant information. <laughs> Most of the templates are redundant information. You don't need it. Uh, but what you do need is hidden somewhere in and amongst it. But how in the world do you go find it? And, and that's where I think because of the amount, the, the volume of templates that are coming out that are very, very similar, that are redundant for most people, I think that's, that's confusing the issue. Yeah, and I think it's also, there is such a risk with how the space is, is coming. Um, and I think from a business proposition, basing your whole business in Notion is really unsustainable we are in a boom we are in a massive notion boom notion is still hot stuff right now i don't think Um, that's going away for a while no it's not but it will but it will or it will become so saturated that it's no longer worth it um and so growing a sustainable business you have to think of multiple avenues instead of just notion templates for days it's it's thinking about what is the long term and also the i think maybe i just care too much about the people i sell to but selling things that actually help people instead of make them feel even worse and that you've got to go buy your big massive course like i understand and i have no problem with people profiting off of notion if i did i'd be an absolute flipping hypocrite both of us would be like i have profited off of notion as well and that is not a bad thing per se but it's about respecting the your your customers and if you're just farming out templates that are basically the same thing over and over again it's just yucky it's just Mm. poor business practice and i think a lot of 
the risk that's happening with this space is is it's becoming people who don't know any better are just doing the same things over and over again of the you know like my tweet and I'll dm you reply with a wave it's just like that's not how you grow a community that's not how you help people it's not because I am very almost 100% sure the reason why you're doing that is it's a growth hack you don't need a growth hack I think obviously this is going to be more obvious for us because we are on the marketing side, like we do it ourselves, but it's very obvious when someone is being genuine or not with what they're selling, what they're doing. Like to me anyway, when I see someone's post and I look at all the interactions and engagements, I sit here and go, you don't give two hoots about that. <laughs> or you've just given a generic response to so many people. Uh, and you're what, what I would be interested to see is do they follow up? how do they follow up or do they just sell it and move on? I'm guessing they sell it and move on. My no, I don't go to everyone that buys my template and say, Hey, how is this going? But anyone that does want to know what's going on with my use in notion or my template use or how I do anything can look at literally anything that I do online because it's, it's a constant feed of information going through how I build a system, my science behind things, the reasons I do stuff. It's not, Here's another product. Here's another product. <laughs> you, you see what I mean? Like they can sort of tabs. It, yeah. It's supposed to be a conversation, um, and I think with and I think it's the Twitter space I'm I'm specifying here because that's where kind of Notion's biggest thing is. It's the it's the, apart from YouTube, of course. <laughs> apart from YouTube, of course, yeah. But YouTube is a little bit of a different matter. Um, I feel. Yeah, no one responds to comments on YouTube, so... Yeah, perfect. <laughs> um, I do, um, just saying. <laughs> that's probably why your audience has grown. That would be why, because you actually reply. Um, I know I'm pretty poor at that, to be fair. Can't say very much. But I think Twitter is has become this place, if you're not careful, where it's just platitudes. You're just sharing the same old shit over and over again. That every You're just regurgitating content from someone else and passing it off as yourself. Do you actually believe what you're saying? If you do, then that's totally fine. Okay, sure. There are no original ideas, but at least add something to it. Add add your perspective. Add your own context instead of just regurgitating it verbatim. If I see one more person tell me to niche my templates down, I'm going to come over there and niche them back because niching it, what does that even, what does that even mean? The vast majority of people will not understand what that actually means. So what, what I find niching? what I find amusing when people say you need to niche down is they don't say like how far or where to, because depending on the philosophical approach you take, niching down could be to one person, which is called individualization, which is ideal when you're working with people. But that that's that's called consulting or working with clients. Hi. <laughs> yeah. So so you I niche down. Yeah, you can't niche down anymore. It's not possible. You've niched to a person or it or literal individual people. Uh, now, so moving this back towards the apps. Um, yeah, yeah, that's, that's fine. You did a little rant there. Um, I when it comes to sharing apps or tools or templates, I think I have a similar philosophy in that if I don't use it anymore, I don't talk about it. Like I don't talk about Notion because it's not my personal use case, which is why I evolved my channel. Now with the templates, people don't evolve the channel, right? Um, And with, does that make sense? 
like they've used a template, but they don't sort of say, I'm not using that template now. I'm using this one. Just, yeah, it's like, here's, here's the a new thing, thing I have, use it. Yeah, uh, whereas in, I still have the old templates up because people will still want to know how it worked because I showed how to build it. Not, hey, here's a template, go go buy it, go use it. There's this actual learning that takes place in me building the thing. Um, uh, yeah, and, and, I, and I think that is that is where people are missing the point. Like my templates are not cheap. There's a point to that. There's a reason for that because the notion, the template itself is kind of the, the bonus. Yeah, exactly. It's actually the system behind it. That's actually the valuable part. And I think if these newer like notion creators don't start thinking like that, it will either become a market where basically it's just going to be the cheapest person wins which, which sucks for absolutely everyone involved in the industry, which just sucks. Take it from me after being in the music industry. <laughs> there is always a cheaper musician. Whether they're as good, it doesn't matter. People won't care after a while. Um, and that is the risk with Notion. It's like, I will hire someone who's just not great at what they do. There needs to be, with, with Notion, there needs to be a balance between just selling templates and also coaching and helping people actually understand their own productivity because a template is is worthless on its own absolutely I think, I think the consulting certification is a step in the right direction i wouldn't say it's a solution but i think it's a step in the right direction i'm going to sit quietly because i've already had one rant today <laughs> yeah um so the the app that i use <laughs> for tasks and calendars morgan uh i use morgan i've i've shared morgan on the on my youtube channel before uh and <clears throat> i think i think this is one of those times where it's such a small niche app that no one really knows about it and it's it's one of those really <clears throat> really useful things for me so uh, I've recently actually moved away from Todoist towards Morgan, which again, I will be doing a video on my channel about soon. I don't know when, because there's some other stuff that Morgan are planning that I may wait, uh, wait for. Um, so I don't know when that's coming out, like two weeks, three weeks, not sure. But I'm using Morgan. Yeah, I'm using Morgan as my calendar. And I have been for a while, months, at least months, maybe <laughs> even a year now. Uh, it's because- got to be a year. You used it quite a while when we first started this up. It's before we first started this back up again, you were using it. Towards the end of it, you were using it. Yeah, I, I just, I can't remember not using it now. Mm. <laughs> uh, but I, I know time spans obviously change. So the, the advantages I have with Morgan, like to start with, obviously John, John shared that he uses Fantastica on the Global Shortcut. That's, that was an automatic Morgan thing. You could just do it. Uh, and then having the, the different calendars, again, that was just a, a thing that you could do. It. And you can probably do it with other calendars. But it's all on my keyboard. I don't have to leave my keyboard. And those that are familiar with my Obsidian, I don't lose my keyboard there. (laughs) Uh, And the advantage of using Morgan for me is the, I can see it straight away. Like I go, oh, see on my keyboard and poof, there's there's my calendar. Um, But I also have, because of what they're, they're trying to do is merge the tasks and events together, is it's all in one place. So I can time block in whatever calendar I want, in whatever view I want, with hockey shortcuts, and I can see everything at a glance, and I don't have to open an app to do it. And yeah. that is the biggest thing for me. Like with Notion, I had to open up Notion, or if I did it in Obsidian, I'd have to open up Obsidian or open up Google Calendar or whatever. I, I don't need to do that. It's just running in the background, which is nice. Yeah, and I think I think 
think that's where you and I differ very much. I don't time block. I find I can't, I just have never figured out a way of time blocking that worked for me. Mm. If I was to time block, I probably would use something like Morgan. Um, I think Fantastical could do it too, but I mean, Morgan is actually a lot cheaper as well. I mean, I, I don't want to deter you from paying for Morgan, but you can do everything that I do on the free plan. <laughs> so, like, yeah, the, I think the only thing you wouldn't be able to do that I do with Morgan is the scheduling. So I have recently left Calendly as well for Morgan. So I don't use Calendly for scheduling. I can't remember what you use because it's not Calendly, it's something else. Yeah, it's something else. Um, yeah, so I don't use Calendly for scheduling anymore. I just have a Morgan link on my website. So if you want to have a look at it, go into my website contact page. You can see the Morgan link. Uh, I, if I want to send out a link to someone, I can just very quickly do it in Morgan. Or if I want to just send out times them available, again, I can do that in Morgan, um, which I've done recently with Brian Jenks. So I'm going to be meeting up with him over the weekend because he also uses Morgan. <laughs> um, so he sent over a Morgan link. I was like, yes, yes, Morgan. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then tasks are, are in there and with some developments that they're, they're pushing, there's going to be some other stuff as well that's very exciting, which is, yes, it's, it's good fun. But yeah, so I, I don't use Todoist anymore. I don't use Notion anymore. I still use Google Calendar, but it's only because it needs to be linked somewhere. Like, yeah, <laughs> I need a calendar app somewhere because Morgan is a, a viewing. I think it's very, I never actually used Woven, but I think it's very reminiscent of what Woven did. It, it is reminiscent of Woven from what you've shown me. It is very reminiscent of, of Woven. Rest in peace, Woven. I really loved Woven. <laughs> Genuinely really loved Woven. That was my app of choice so long. Um, I, I do hope that um, they stay. That, You're um, talking Morgan. Yeah, that Morgan stays. Uh, that is my biggest like worry yeah is that because so much of what they do is free i worry for like sustainability i would rather pay for over three quarters of that and have like you know it, it lasting fantastical is like what 40 quid a year or something it's not expensive but i know they're gonna last because they've been going for so long whereas i do worry with morgan is the fact that no one needs to freaking pay for it and that does concern me that is one like so that's mm. a business concern yeah. yeah yeah it's like if ever it's after being burnt by woven of like I use Woven for everything. Woven dies. No! That I had to, like, that is my concern. If ever it died, what would happen? Yeah, that's very true. That is very true. So what, what did Woven have that Morgan doesn't have for your, to your knowledge? Actually, um, I think Morgan has more. Oh, oh, okay. Never mind. I, was, I, was I, don't, say, I don't think um, Woven had tasks. Or actions and stuff, not in the same way. Oh, it's been so long. <laughs> yeah. Looking back at the grave, you're digging it up. <laughs> I think that's about it. Right. Honestly, honestly, um, they are good. But yeah, either reduce the stuff that you give for free or 
raise your price. Well, I was, was going to say, I think I think the reducing this stuff for free makes sense once the the small because there are still irritations. It's still fairly like it's not new, but it's still fairly new in what they're trying to do. Like some of the stuff that they're doing and implementing, it's it's difficult because calendar apps are hard to make <laughs> to get right. Um, yeah. So that so there are some clunky elements to it. Uh, so I, I understand it from that point of view, but I reckon once once some things have been cleaned up, yeah, it's certainly. I mean, it's been my go-to for ages. I, I shared it with my sister. So my sister's not one to not one to like tools really that much. She used Notion for like a month and was like, "Nah, I don't like this." She uses Obsidian. She adopted Obsidian like straight away. She she didn't like the look of it, like the Cody stuff. Um, but as soon as she realized, oh, it's literally just a Word document with links. Yeah, I can do this. And now she uses it for everything. Morgan, she adopted like straight away. As soon as she realized she could do a hotkey to bring up her task, like her, her events, she was like, yes. <laughs> and she's, she's got one of those like fancy mouse mice thing where you can like click buttons on the side of it. And yeah, she's mapped. She, yeah, I don't have one of those. I have like a really basic mouse. Um, yeah, she's mapped her thumb, her thumb hotkey to Morgan. <laughs> John's face. Right. Thank, thank you. That is something I'm going to play with now. But yeah, so whenever she wants to check what event she's got to do, she just clicks clicks her mouse, her, 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 th- her thumb, and she's moved like the, the right and left on her thumb as well. So she can move across the day just by looking at the thumb and then just like click it again, it goes. And she's like, done. So it's like, what's going on? Oh yeah, that. And then just go back to whatever working. I do the same thing with my hotkeys on my keyboard because I've got a lap board. So it doesn't matter where I am on my chair, my, my keyboard's with me. Um, but yeah, so I got Alt C and then like move across and do whatever with my fingers on the keyboard. But yeah, she's got it on her mouse, and I was like, "Cool, that is pretty cool." I've got to say, I'm gonna go play with that afterwards. <laughs> Not gonna lie. Yeah, I was like, "Ah, that's that. That's really cool." Right, so we, we've gone over browser, task, and calendar, which which is quite nice. You said you mentioned Otter. Is there any other like thing that you have going on in the background? Or any other yeah. tools and apps? Because I know you're uh, you're an app fanatic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so I have obviously Text Expander because oh my gosh, Text Expander is just I love it. Uh, Text Expander I use every single day, every single second, all what the time. What do you use it for? Because I have I've tried it. I've tried Auto Hockey. I've tried Text Expander. I I just couldn't. It was just no. Um. Putting in my email address in logins. I have at, at S for simplicity specialist, um, at, at J, at, at P, and I can just put them in and it will automatically, automatically pop, automatically, automatically populate. Yeah, two automatically. Automatically populate my email address. I have short codes for like um, code snippets that I use in Member Vault. I have, what else do I have? And ConvertKit. I also use it to store all of my hex codes for my branding. So when I'm creating a new page, I can find it. Pause for a second. So would you class your text expander as part of extended cognition because it's storing things for you? Yes. So you could say text expander is part of your second brain. Yes. Look, dude, if we're going to go down that rabbit hole, 
just because no, I'm thinking obviously that building a second brain have a summit coming up like next week talk about lots of different things and there are some apps in there that I know I mentioned that they're talking about like Thomas Frank's talking about notion I'm going to guess Brian in his section with the ADHD is going to talk about obsidian but I don't know uh, I think Nick Milo is going to be talking about obsidian anyway uh, you've got the logsit creator but they're like note-taking apps whereas text expander is not a note-taker just, but just, it is extended cognition. It's just, just throwing it out there. And another thing that I have is autocorrect spelling. So this is a, a public um, like snippet library. So when I type achieve, where the E and the I are the wrong way around, it'll automatically flip it right the other way around. Apparent around the, whenever I type T-E-H instead of T-H-E, my life so many times. Um, it will automatically flip it around for me without me having to think about it. Like, what was that? Just... What, I, I need that. What was that? The amount of times I'm like, right click, the, yes. <laughs> it's like um, across when I put two C's by mistake, assistant, 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 as the, when as there is put together, when I don't put the space fast enough, What's all of that, I have that. What's it called? It's, it's part of text expander. It's part of Text Expander. Okay. Yeah, there's a whole library. So I'll share my screen to show the library uh, for people on on the. Uh, yeah, there we go. Uh, for watching on YouTube. So do you pay YouTube. for Text Expander for this, or is this all free? Um, Text Expand. I uh, I think Text Expander is paid, but right. I. This is a free thing. You can just add into it. Like you can have like emoji cheat sheets as well, so you can automatically add in different things yeah. i mean my favorite feature is this um like this is the dates past and future and public dates so i can have and it can count forward and backwards dates based on what i put in and it will do it for me automatically so all i need to do is like next tuesday x ntu next tuesday and it will do that tomorrow xd1 xd2 xd3 xd4 it will actually put the it will count the days from today onwards without me having to think about it, which is that just outputs the date. Yes. Right. So if I just do this, share my notion. Just do a new page. So if I want to put what today is, there you go. Uh, three days ago. Right, very nice. So for those that are listening, he's typing in XD dash and then whatever he wants, and it's just outputting the date value in like yeah, it'll automatically date month year. Yeah, date month year, and I can change that depending on what I want it. You know, next Saturday, it'll automatically just do that, and that is dynamic. That is what I love because it is very very easy for me to input dates without me having to think about it. Yeah, I and mean, I. I don't often put input dates, um, but I can see how, how, how that'd be useful, useful. I think the only date input they actually do is today, which I have as a, a template in Obsidian. So I wouldn't need a text expander for that, but I can see how it's useful if you're adding in like dates into the future or, or from the past. But the, It's the... primarily used with client work. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, when I'm, when I'm writing an email like, oh, I, this is due in seven days time, you know, XD7. Yeah, that means it'll be done within that time and it's UK formatting and it's easy for me to use. Yeah, Text Expander is nuts, like absolutely amazing. I love it. 
I like the autocorrect, the, the mistakes. I might, I might have to have a look into that. Or I could just learn to type properly. <laughs> <laughs> That's overrated. <laughs> no, no, you, you've got to type 160 words a minute. No. <laughs> I, already, I already confused my whole entire family by how fast I type. Where are you at? 100? I don't think it's even that. Yeah, I, I did a I did a typing test uh, yesterday because I'm looking at getting a, a new device keyboard thingy testing stuff out called Caracorder. It's a very risky option, but I figured, hey, I spend my life typing. Let's give it a go. Um, so I thought, hey, let's let's make some landmark uh, test values. And I was sitting around 90 words per minute, which isn't slow. It's not fast. It's just, yeah, it'll do. Works. Yeah, I think I'm around the same. Ninety-ish. Obviously, it depends on the words. Um, if you if you dump in numbers and symbols and stupid symbols that you never type, then obviously I'm slower. Like whoever uses the, the what what is it the uh, dollar? That's the word. Whoever uses the dollar sign in the UK. Okay. I, really. I use the pound sign, obviously, but I never, I, I have never I found myself typing. I, I work with people in the States, so that's probably why. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of cheating there, but you know. Yeah, fair. I think, I think the seven, the and, is probably the, the least used symbol. I'm looking at my keyboard to see what other symbols there are, because I use most of them um, in Obsidian. But yeah, I think the and is probably my least used symbol. Uh, but yeah, so have it, having the autocorrect would be nice. But again, you could just, I could just learn to type better. But, so, I I also have more apps that I have in the background that I use. I was going to say, what what else have you got? Because I think you do time tracking. Yeah, that we'll go to that one in a minute. That one's a bit more complicated. So I also have a mosaic. Um, I have a ultra wide monitor. Um, so yeah, it is it is like crazy wide, and so I have it divided into segments, and the default for it sucks basically in Mac. It absolutely sucks um, because it's not designed to have a stupidly, ridiculously wide monitor. Um, and so I use Mosaic, which allows me to very easily push my screens via shortcuts. I can just press command. Uh, like a command window snap. Left, command sh- yeah, but it's all keyboard operated. Um. So command shift left will take me to the left, to the right, to the center. And then I have command alt to go thin on the left, right and center. It's nice. It's quick. And then I can, there's a little bar that comes at the top if I want to do certain like top left corner, top right corner, stuff like that. So I have Mosaic. Um, I also have Bartender because I have way too many things on the top of my tabs. Oh dear. Because, you know, it's instead of actually solving the problem, I'm just going to hide it. Um, I Put a plaster thought, on it. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And, and honestly, I use most of them. That's the thing. Um, and some of them, I don't really get a freaking choice. Um, like the Adobe Suite stuff is uh, annoying. You know, all of that stuff. Um, so I have that. I also have Rise, which is a time tracking software. Um, kind of like um, Rescue Time, mm-hmm. but way, way freaking better, quite frankly. I take it it's better than, what is it, uh, Time, Timely? Timing. Is that, is that the one? 
is it timing you're thinking about or maybe timery there's a there are there's, there's a, an online version yeah i don't use my browser that much when i try to i try to use native apps mm, yeah i just prefer to yeah it makes sense so i have rise that runs in the background and is automatically tracking everything i do um that is for my benefit not for client work if i need specificity which sometimes i do I use Toggle Track because that's the one I was thinking of. Yeah, I use Toggle Track separately. I have it set up on my stream deck. So I just press the client, press what I'm doing for them, and then off I go. It is nice, clean, easy, and quick if I want to do specific tracking for clients. Otherwise, I just use Rise because it helps me seeing how much time I spend doing stuff without having to remember to press buttons, which I never, ever, ever remembered. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. So, I, if memory serves, you use Descript for your videos. Is that for video editing as well? Because I know you've got the Adobe Suite. So um, it depends on what type of video. I'm actually exploring using Descript completely now. I used to use Descript for the basic kind of... Uh, I use Descript for podcast because why the hell wouldn't I? The power of freaking the studio mode on the audio is just nuts. I don't have to mess around. I can. I spent years as a music producer. I ain't going to do that no more. I press a button, flick a switch, and it sounds good. I am happy. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Um, which automatically integrates with Hello Audio and um, Captivate, which is what I use for podcasting. Um, for video editing, um, I have used a wide variety of them from Final Cut to uh, DaVinci Resolve. I've tried them all. And the one I always keep coming back to is Premiere Pro. Yes, it's annoying. But I have to pay $30 or 30 quid, 40 quid a month for it. But honestly, nothing else can touch it. I am so much faster in Premiere Pro than I'm in any other tool. But I am exploring Descript as a video editor. It's fine for many things, but Premiere Pro is still a little bit better. Well, no, a lot better. It's a lot more powerful. If I want to get something out quickly, I'll just use Descript. If I want to kind of play and create with it, then I would use Premiere Pro. Interesting. You've gone through it like... Most of the apps that you've mentioned, I don't have a, like a, an accompanying app because I don't do it. <laughs> like I, I don't use um, Text Expander because I don't use that that sort of shortcuts. Obviously, I have uh, templates in Obsidian. I don't time track my stuff because I have my calendar blocking so I can see how many hours roughly I'm spending on things. Now, I will say that even though I'm I'm blocking my calendar, it's not a, a definite. So I have a whole system with my calendar, which I will go through when I explore Morgan in my YouTube video, eventually when it comes out, when I'm doing stuff. But long story short, uh, everything that's in there is more of like a placeholder rather than a you need to do this, apart from my orange events, which are fed through Google Calendar. So I can see like Notion Nerds podcast at the moment is an orange event. This is thing. This is something that, that's happening now. Uh, and I know I'm going to football at half 12. So that's again, an orange blocked event. But everything else is just a task that you're reminded to do. Ideally, I would do them all at that time, uh, but it doesn't, doesn't work out like that. So I give myself buffer times with certain tasks, um, like 
the medication is just a task reminder. I have that on there. I have clean teeth on there. Otherwise I would forget. <laughs> um, and it's not like I have to clean my teeth because I know I'm going to be cleaning my teeth apparently while I'm out of football. Well, obviously that's not going to happen, um, but I'm not going to move it because what I'll do is I'll just be like, oh, okay, well, I had lunch before I went to football, so I'll clean my teeth now. So I tick it off like, before or after. Uh, and the same thing, sometimes I'll do, I'll look at my calendar and go, you know what? I don't feel like doing that thing now. I'm going to do that later. I'm going to swap it around. I'll swap it around in my head and I'll just decide to do something. So later on in the day when I'm like, oh, what am I doing? Oh, I've already done this thing. I must have done that this morning. I can look at what else I need to do. Uh, so that's how I sort of time track my time. Uh, and what I actually find because of my, my buffer system is I have loads of spare time. And I, I say spare time. It's not really spare time. I have time that I haven't allocated to something in specific. So I do something. <laughs> I, I, I don't do the sit still thing very well, uh, which I find really nice and useful because essentially I, I've blocked my day. I have a time before lunch, a time after lunch and before dinner, and then a time after dinner. So I have like three working slots. What I put in those working slots is up to me. Um, and yeah, we, I sort of figure it out from there. So my time tracking is manual in my head because I, I, I tried time tracking, but I never looked back to things. Basically. I just, I didn't look back and go, oh yeah, I was really productive. Or, oh yeah, I really wasn't productive. I, I just never Yeah, it. I rises in the background for me for two purposes. One, it's like to help me figure out in terms of how much time I spend on client work that is not uh, time bound. It's like, how many hours did I spend researching this stuff for a client? How is that more than I have charged on a monthly thing? Like how much time am I spending on research how much time am i spending in notion how much time am i spend it's just kind of a i can look at it and see how well things are it's there if i want it but i'm not like obsessively researching and looking into it it's there for me as kind of a overarching understanding of how things are going because often what i feel is i spend all day working really hard and then at the end of the day i feel like i've not done anything and so i have that reminder of like Oh no, I actually did. I did all of this and all of that. It's kind of like a, it's kind of a, like a, Hey, you did something today rather than how many hours did I work? And it's also useful for me because it has an automatic break, automatic break function. So after an hour, it will remind me to stop because otherwise what I can do is to jump into it. Now, do I listen to it every single time? No, of course I freaking don't. Um, but it, it allows me to note the ma the passage of time it allows me to see that without having to think about it because i struggle with that that's one of the things i really struggle with is yeah so time. it's it's funny both those things i i never really clocked it in my head but both those things i do with morgan because it's so quick to have a look obviously i've, I've got an arrow that goes across the time so i can see if i've allocated two hours to something and i'm like way down in the next task i know wow okay, this task either took longer than I, I anticipated or I'm just doing something that I really shouldn't be doing. So it's like a mental check when I look to see what's going on. And then because they are now tasks on my calendar and not just events, I can look back and go, wow, I actually did all those things today. Uh, so again, I have, that, I have that check to see, which is one of those that I've been debating whether or not to hide completed tasks or keep completed tasks up on my calendar. I'm not sure which way I prefer it yet. Um, 
So yeah, I, I may keep them up just to be like, hey, yeah, I, I actually did a lot of stuff today, but then I don't like seeing all the completed tasks when I'm looking at my calendar. because I'm like, what, what do I need to do again? I'm not like, trying to find the tick box isn't ticked. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the other the other things that I have, um, obviously I've got Edge. I'm looking at, my, at the bottom bar on my screen because that's all the apps that I use. Uh, I have audio for, for my computer, which obviously that's just changing that James in the volume. Uh, my documents, which again, everyone has, it's not really an app. I use Filmora for my video editing. And the only reason I use Filmora is, is the one that I got to start with. It's easy, it's basic, and I, I don't need fancy editing stuff at the moment. Um, but I'm not actually using Filmora for most of my videos right now. <laughs> yeah, I'll get to that in a second. Uh, I use Affinity Photo for Photoshop, basically. It, it does everything Photoshop does. Well, most things that Photoshop does, I don't need the advanced stuff because, I mean, I would say my photo editing is... is pretty competent if I care enough <laughs> uh, and they, they don't look out of place. So yes, yeah, both of those uh, like wind uh, Filmora and affinity are one-time payments. You pay for it once and that's it, but you've got it done. Sorted all the updates you get. What? <laughs> yeah. I know. I, I honestly wish I could switch. Like yeah. I genuinely have tried genuinely have tried one-off payment apps. I bought them. I've really gone ham with them. But every single time there's been, oh, I hate the way that this works. That's so annoying. I could just, why? Taking courses, spent a lot of time learning how to use the app in the right way. And there are some cool features, but it's just like, oh, I don't like it. Like The one that I kind of stuck with for quite a while was Final Cut. And I'm like, cool, the JKL, like, you know, cut here, move forward, cut here, cut here, cool, yeah, that was nice. But I hated the um, elastic, like, timeline, right. where it basically automatically sticks things together. I find that annoying. I like the control. Oh, yes, the ripple edit. It off. Hmm? Ripple edit, I think, is what it's called, isn't it? I don't know what it's called. It bugs me. It's so annoying. Um, I didn't see, like I, it. I use it sometimes and then I turn it off. I see in Filmora, it's a, a button like at the top of the timeline, top left. Uh, and sometimes I just like, yeah, just so when I'm doing the first cut, I'll go through and I just want it to ripple edit and like basically bunch stuff yeah. together. Yeah. But the second time through, I'm like, no. So I turn it off for the second edit. Yeah. So in um, Premiere Pro, I have a bunch of shortcuts, which basically do ripple editing for me with one key press. It's just like X cut. There's X, X, go. It'll just trim for me, and that's much better. Otherwise, it doesn't do that. I hate having to press an extra button just to turn it off. And then in Final Cut, when you turn it off, it's kind of not really off, and it's really clunky still. Whereas in Premiere Pro, it, the default is off, and you have to actually take action. Now, that genuinely is just because I taught myself. It's the same thing with you and Filmora. I taught myself how to use Premiere Pro. That is it. That is the only reason why I still use it. Is it the best software out there? Meh. Does it <laughs> yeah. crash? Yes. <laughs> it's not even it's not even M1 compatible yet as of time of us recording. So yeah. it uses Rosetta because I'm on Mac, uh, M1 Mac. So it's not even an optimized experience, but it works for me and I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. Uh, yeah, I guess to move along the bottom, most of the most of the things there is just Spotify. Most people have that. Discord, again, like if you use Discord, you have that. 
to do list is down there, but I'm I don't use it anymore. It's there kind of as like a fail safe because I'm still testing stuff with Morgan. So it's like a if Morgan do decide to push something in the beta that I'm testing and then everything breaks, <laughs> it's there just in case. Um, I then have Audacity for audio editing, which I don't actually use anymore, which again, well, as much anymore, again, which is due to Streamlabs. Ah, that makes sense. Yeah, because I was on a laptop. Last time we, John and I discussed Streamlabs, I was on a laptop that was like becoming a rocket every time I opened up Google Chrome. Uh, <laughs> now, now I'm on a PC, Streamlabs runs very, very smooth. <laughs> and for those that have seen my last four videos on the main channel, that's all Streamlabs. And I've literally just gone in, pushed record, recorded the video, ended record and uploaded the video straight away. No editing at all, which is why there's still some like fumbles in the videos because I'm like CBA to editing that. <laughs> yeah, um, I forgot about this for mine. I actually do Spotify. Why have you just opened yourself? That's really annoying. Oh, wait, sorry. Um, I actually have one more app that I use, um, which I am debating whether to get rid of. I'm in a I'm in an app cleaning mode at the moment um, and it's Ecamm Live which right. I use to record videos, but I can do that in Descript. And I'm testing out Descript to see if I could do a whole video in Descript and be able to do everything that I want in Descript. If I can, I may switch. Um, I may do the basic recording in Descript from now on and then move it into Premiere Pro to do kind of more fancier editing. But I used Ecamm Live when I used to go live all the time. I just really like the tool. I think it's fantastic. It's Mac only. Sucks to be everyone who's PC. Um, but it is Who one needs of it? The... I, got, I got Streamlabs. I'm good. Yeah, I mean, Streamlabs is fine and all, but you've got to actually know how to use it and spend ages figuring out. And if you want to do fancy pants stuff, you've got to figure that out. And it's... I like adding... I, I use Streamlabs for all of my recordings now. <laughs> I The SD card reader, I haven't used that in so long. For those of you that know, uh, I do a, a daily vlog. Because my camera is always plugged in, I can open up my computer, Streamlabs loads up, I push record, I talk for 10 minutes, I stop record, and then I upload. I don't have to move anything with SD cards, nothing changes. I can go live if I want to do all the videos and stuff is done from my computer. I don't have to unplug anything anymore. <laughs> it's so yeah. useful. Yeah, yeah, and it's the same. My camera is constantly plugged in because it's just easier. Yeah, I I do have a couple of other things that are on my on my bar. Uh, obviously, I've got Zoom up at the moment. Um, but the the other thing that's up there is Zotero. Now, I say I say it like that because even though it's there, Research Rabbit have got some really exciting tools that they're using. And Zotero is kind of turning into like the the way I use Google Calendar and Morgan. Zotero is kind of becoming a, a Google Calendar. It's kind of like a, a background database of stuff and Research Bab Rabbit being the front end. But at the moment, Research Rabbit doesn't have uh, access to all of the papers. So I'm still using Zotero. Um, and the other sort of like front end of Zotero is my Obsidian which is the last app I'm going to talk about. <laughs> so I've, I've left that deliberately towards the end because I know you've obviously got experience with Obsidian as well. Um, and my, my notes in Obsidian 
I, if I'm searching for a file, I don't go to my documents, I go to my Obsidian. If I'm searching for a paper, I don't go to Zotero, I go to my Obsidian. <laughs> if I'm searching for a link, I don't go to Google Chrome or Microsoft Edge now, I go to Obsidian. Like everything in my, I, I don't say system, like everything in my PC is in Obsidian because <laughs> I can search for everything in Obsidian. Because of the way that I formatted the pages, because you can link, you can locally file link uh, anything into Obsidian. Um, and something else, actually, this is a workflow thing that um, Edge has really helped me with. With PDFs, they are a pain in the butt to manage. <laughs> they are just a pain in the butt to manage. Editing, all of that sort of stuff. I used Adobe, uh, Adobe Acrobat, like I mentioned earlier. Now I'm using Edge. Um, and to link to a PDF file is so annoying uh, or was so annoying in Obsidian because you'd either have to embed the file in Obsidian, which means you can't see it in whatever like highlighter you're using, or you'd have to open up the file, which means you'd have to go and find the file link wherever you've stored it, put the link into Obsidian, and then load it up. It's just, just a whole friction point. I was like, no, thank you. But because I'm now using Microsoft Edge to read my PDFs, Microsoft Edge is a browser link. So I can just link the Microsoft oh. Edge link into Obsidian. Oh, that's clever. That is kind of cool. I'm not going to lie. And obviously, because of what I mentioned earlier, I have the name of the paper as well to make sure that I have the right paper link in there. That's nice. So my whole PDF workflow, just boom, Obsidian, so much easier. You, you frowned when I said I use Obsidian for like all my PC searching. Yeah. I was like, how? Does everything just go in your vault, so to speak? I have a link to everything in my vault, yeah. So okay, link. So it's not actually in your vault, but you can get to anything you want in your vault. Okay, that makes more sense. Yeah, so in my in my, my documents folders, there are still things elsewhere, like all the video files are still stored to external hard drive and stuff. Uh, and yes, I still go to those through my, my documents, um, but it's literally on on the main page because i go i click into my documents i click on my external hard drive and the recording is there I, i've dumped it yeah there. That, that, i wanted to just confirm that because when you said everything i was like wow video files goodness me that you're you know thinking i mean that's a little bit nuts but yeah yeah that makes sense with with all the saved audios the saved videos all of those files are in a page inside of obsidian so if i want to access them i just Control shift or control O to open up my quick switcher videos and then click on the video file and I'll open it up because I've already got a link to it in my Obsidian. So I don't need to go like click into my my documents, work and whatever the folders are. I don't know what they are because I never searched through them. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I think that's pretty cool. Actually, I have Spotlight, so I get away with that. Okay. On Mac, yeah. I think that might be the difference. Um, you, you, there are plugins in uh, Windows that you can do that for, and you can use Windows if you wanted to. There's basically like Alfred replacements, but I've, I've yeah, they're they're not as good as Alfred. And Obsidian works because I'm always in Obsidian. It's like it's just there. My fingers automatically do the things. Like sometimes in my brain, I think I want to go to this note, and then I start thinking about what it is that I want to talk about, and my fingers just open up the note in a new panel and then go to the bottom or go to what section I need without me really needing to think about it. It just does it. <laughs> uh, I recently put, uh, I recently linked Obsidian to my Discord. 
So you can see that I'm in Obsidian with my Discord and I was in a different Discord server and someone noticed that I had been in, in Obsidian for 14 hours uh, <laughs> and they were like, oh, I, I see you use Obsidian quite a lot. It says 14 hours. I was like, um, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm in Obsidian from like the day I, the, the minute I wake up to the minute I go to bed. <laughs> uh so yeah yeah I, I i use it a lot obviously i'm not actually on it all the time like right now i've got zoom open i've got morgan open and i've got uh, a notion uh, edge tab open but obsidian's still open in the background <laughs> yeah i so i do still use obsidian um i'm using it more and more um really? as i'm kind of yeah i am starting to use it more and more whenever i'm i mean at the moment i'm kind of doing what you're doing with cognitive psychology that book with this one <laughs> personality individual differences in intelligence nice so i'm how, how many pages that? that my book looks bigger than yours <laughs> yeah your book is bigger i was very upset um it's like 800 i think and i was like oh is that it that's disappointing half the size i know right i was very upset um and so i was making my way through that which has put me is is it is uh, is it an academic book? Because if it is, obviously the reference pages don't count. So if I if I take off all the oh, reference no, it's, pages, it's eight it's eight hundred without the reference pages. Okay, if I take out the reference pages, this is about a thousand. So it's actually pr probably pretty close. Yeah, there are so many. Yeah, it's it's a it's a textbook. Yeah, so I'm making my way through that. So I'm playing more in Obsidian and I'm kind of tweaking my system because my system was basically just a carbon copy of yours, and now mm. I'm slowly using it more. I'm like changing things and just slightly adapting things as I use it more, as I get more experience. And for fuck's sake, if I keep, I keep pressing command O inside of notion, expecting it to open the quick switcher. And I'm just like, no, it's not fair. Yes. I did, I I did know. the same. I could change the obsidian shortcut, but the obsidian shortcut is just freaking better. Yes. It's, this this finger is easier than this one. I'm pointing to like yeah, the third finger. Than like, why don't I use my little finger to type P? Like it's it's funny. All of my all of my hotkeys, <laughs> all of my hotkeys are with like my, my right thumb first, like first three fingers. So when you look down my hotkeys, it's like control and then like all of those letters on that side. And then control shift, all of the letters and stuff on that side. I think then, I think the then thing control that shift me. alt. <laughs> yeah, I think. I think the most annoying thing that keeps catching me recently is when I try to move pages, I'm pressing uh, command M, um, which minimizes windows. <laughs> so I'm like in notion going, yeah, command M to move. And it's like, minimize. what the fuck is going on now? It's very funny. Yes. Yes, that is. That is. So I'm curious. I got asked this question in the discord, uh, in my discord quite, quite recently. And I'm curious. So, they asked me, it's going to be part of the Q&A that I do on the channel, what my writing habit is. Like, how do I decide what to write about? Uh, and, and I feel like that's an, that would be a question I want to ask you, because obviously you're, read, you're reading the book, so you're writing about the book. Is that how you know what to write about? Because you have a project, i.e. the book? I write what I feel like I want to write. If something intrigues me, I kind of follow that. I've tried to create a structured habit of writing because, yes, it would be more efficient and effective. But, well, if you believe habit formation in the way that is taught by every freaking human being in the world, 
Hold up there. Every every habit human being that is on social media. Yes. Sorry. Most Fair of enough. the academic people that actually know what they're talking about aren't on social media. <laughs> there really are a couple. wish they were. There are a couple, but they're very well hidden. Yeah. Um, and so for me, it is following when I feel that want and desire to write, I will. How do you decide what to write about? If I have my answer. <laughs> if it is something that I think is interesting, and actually what I'm doing right now is kind of going through that process of figuring that out again, because I stopped creating content. Um, I have been very tempted to leave social, well, certain social media platforms. Um, a lot of my stuff is kind of slowing down a little bit because I'm focusing on writing my book. Um, so there's that that's taken up a lot of brain power. In terms of how do I decide what to write about, if I find it interesting, I'll write about it. Yeah. I'm, I'm in the same boat. So what, what I tend to do is if I have a question that I want to answer, that becomes a project. Like mm. it's, it's less of like an interest because I'm interested in loads of different things. Um, it's more of a, I have a question that I really want to know an answer to. I really want to explore. And that becomes a project for maybe just half an hour or sometimes much much longer but it's like i have a question i want to find an answer to that question and i will either look at a note that is related to the question and then sort of like merge those bits together because i've already collected the stuff and i've already organized it which doesn't take long or i just go completely brand new i'm like okay what what are the, the surface level answers to this thing see what they're saying and then see what notes i have that's related to what they're saying. So an example would be something I ranted about today in my vlog, encoding. I'm not going to go on a rant because I've already done that in the vlog. But when you type in uh, retrieval practice or active recall or memory or, or encoding, they all come up with the same videos. And all of those videos oversimplify what it is. And I know they oversimplify it. So my questions are, okay, what is encoding? What is memory? Where is memory stored? And those sort of questions then become not a page, but a part of the page. So where is memory stored would be part of my memory page. Long-term memory, short-term memory. What is long-term memory? What is short-term memory? Debating backwards and forwards. Uh, and then where is that stored? Again, debating backwards and forwards uh, with that. And that's how I find out like what I want to write about. And because I've already taken notes, I just look at the notes I've taken, look at those sources again, and then go down that rabbit hole. That's I like that, I actually. It. I think I do do that. But in my head, what I'm yeah. noticing at the moment is a lot of you what said, I'm doing is in my head. So You said do-do. You're right now. <laughs> you yeah, good? So I'm okay. I'm okay. Enjoy yourself. Yeah, do, enjoy do, that. Do, do, right, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Um, one thing that I'm noticing... One of the kind of things I'm working on is to extend my cognition a little bit more in like externalize things a little bit more than I already do more um, deliberately. You'll have to expand on that. What, why? What do you mean by extend your cognition more? Is that introducing more external sources yes it is more okay. it, it is more taking things from inside of my head and processing it 
outside of my head. Have any questions? <laughs> uh, okay. I assume from what you've said, you believe that you can process information outside of your mind. Mm, no. Because you said you want to use it to process. Okay, maybe I'll be more specific to leave, to make it so that I externalize the retrieval of like, it's there, so I look at it, and then I can process it, like separating that out. Externalize the retrieval or externalize the storage. So retrieval is different. Okay. Yeah, Yeah, externalize the storage. Then that way, and I'm looking at it, I can see it, then I can process, then I can do all the pieces without having to search the storage, if you believe that way of thinking. Yeah, that's, that's why I wanted to try and like pick at the terms being used partly for my my own clarity so i know which direction to take it but also partly because if someone's listening back to this uh maybe they'll understand sort of like where i'm coming from but essentially extended cognition could be seen as an external store of memory Mm. and if it is if it is a store of memory well memory then can't be in your head so it can't be short-term or long-term memory because if a memory is stored elsewhere what what's that is it a memory as well because our traditional sense of memory introduces emotional attachment and states and, and environmental cues and physiological cues towards whatever it is that you're remembering. So if a memory can be stored on an external device, i.e. a phone or an app, is it a memory or is it a cue? Backwards and forwards, there's no answer to that. That's just a, a, yeah. a sort of like a trigger of question or thought, which is why I wanted it to be like, what are you, what are you extending? <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to be more deliberate in that mm-hmm. because I have a tendency to try and store it all in my head, which is just doesn't work. I cannot. Well, I can't. So what, what, are you, what are you looking to store elsewhere because you don't want to store it in your head? I'm not going to say you, 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 you I'm not going to say like you can't store it in your head. Because I believe yeah. you can. It just takes time, effort, and practice to keep yeah, it. Yeah, that's in there. the thing. I want it out of my head so that it doesn't need to. It just makes things a little bit easier for me. I find it easier when I can externalize the storage. I can look at it in a physical space. It helps with the processing. It allows me to think about it in a way that doesn't requ- that requires less load. Yes. Okay. So for, uh, just as a mental model to clear up anyone that is mildly confused, this is how I think about it when thinking about cognitive psychology, because I'm, again, depending on your approach, working memory is in your head, long-term memory is in your head, external cognition is outside of your head. And essentially working memory supposedly has a capacity, which again, arguments backwards and forwards as to what that number is uh, and how we can measure that or not measure that. But there is some sort of limit before you forget what it is you're working on. That working memory capacity is what you're looking at putting elsewhere while you're working on something else. So you don't forget it, but it doesn't go into long-term memory because you don't remember it either. You just need it somewhere for reference later on. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, And not just that, but sometimes just in the event of there is more effort for me to try and remember stuff and then try and process it at the same time. I don't want to do that. 
like it it's just draining my brain is always thinking anyway like everyone says otherwise going... they're dead <laughs> well yeah but it's always going over everything all of the time and so if i can reduce that or well it's not really reducing but make it easier then it is helpful i would so the again use, using sort of like a, an analogy maybe something physical analogy like a glass of water if, you, if you're constantly thinking of new novel information or questioning things, you're constantly like adding water to the glass without taking anything out and putting it in a jug. <laughs> uh, yeah. So you, it's constantly like, overflowing. You're like, no, I need to catch that. And put that I need to catch that and put over there. Uh, whereas if you have something like in the glass, like a tube going elsewhere, like back to the sink for it to come back out the tap again, um, then you sort of have like that that feedback that you don't need to worry about. So the glass is st it's still like half full uh, because of the amount of stuff going in, but it's going to a place that's going to go back into your head rather than just back out into the ocean. Yes, makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. I like that. It's a nice analogy. Yeah, uh, how that would physically work in the real world, I don't think that would because you'd need like a tube going from a glass to a sink, and the sink is like a, a self-revolving sink, like. <laughs> It's got its own store, but then if it goes out, then it goes into the ocean. Yeah, I, I, I can imagine it in my head. Yeah, me too. It's fine. <laughs> cool. Um, I, th I think that covers all of the apps that I use uh, and all the tools that I have on my system, apart from ExpressVPN, um, which is just a VPN. Yeah. So yeah, very nice. Um, I quite enjoyed this episode. I, I like talking about apps and tools and stuff. Yeah, it was nice. Nice to go back to our uh, roots a little bit. Yeah, yeah. If if obviously you guys have anything that you use differently or you would suggest us using, let us know. Um, unless you want to add anything, we'll close it out uh, there. Pretty good. Bye. <laughs>